0: Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good? Awesome, awesome. Well, we are excited to have all of you today. Let's give it up for all those that got baptized today. Man, amazing. We celebrate with all of you guys. So... So good, so good, so good. Listen, we are going into part uh, part three of our Authentic Flourishing series, and so we're gonna go ahead and jump straight in. How many guys remember, where, where are my people at that had to do chores? Like, back in the day, you guys, you had to do the chores? Listen, so, all right, young people, chores are these things we used to have to do to get the things you get for free now, okay? So, like we used to have to clean the house uh, do the dishes, right? Now, some of you are like, "Listen, some of us did the chores so that we could breathe the next day." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But how many, how many guys remember uh, where, where, where my uh, dish? Where the people that did the dishes? You cleaned the counters. You did the you did the vacuuming. Where are the vacuuming people at? How many guys remember if the lines of the vacuum didn't overlap each other, you're doing it all over again, right? Like we starting starting from the beginning on this sucker. And uh, so. You've got that side of things. And then uh, recently, my wife went out of town. My wife's out of town right now, and she's uh, she's up in Atlanta, and she'll be back today. But we're working on our new house, and while we're working on our new house, there's uh, I decided that I wanted to try to get something uh, done that she didn't know was gonna be done before she got back, right? So I'm uh, I, I'm trying to get something by that. By I'm trying to get something done, what I really mean is Pastor Dan is getting something done before she gets back at my new house. So. But but in trying to get something done, I'm, I'm trying to get this thing. Why, and the reason I'm trying to do it is because I'm trying to show her, like, that's one of the ways that she receives love is through, like, acts of kindness. So that's one of her love languages is, acts, like, doing special acts for her. So I'm trying to do this thing. She doesn't know what's coming. So that when she gets home, she'll go, oh, my gosh. And then she'll tear up and she'll cry. And then I'll get sushi that night because... <laughs> That's my love language. Come on, somebody. Hey. So anyways, but, yes. but so I'm a, we're, trying to, we're trying to do that. But so there's two different approaches that I'm talking about in those two scenarios. We love both of those people. We love our parents, right? And we would do things for our parents because you kind of had to. But then I do things for my wife because I want to. And what I kind of am trying to lay out for you today as we get ready to get into what we're going to talk about today is that you approach God with two different mentalities. There's the I'm going to do these things because I have to, or there's I'm going to do these things because I get to or want to. And how we approach God changes how we see God, but it also changes the life that we get to live with God. It's many times based on how we approach him just as much as what we do when we approach him. You guys with me today? So let's jump into what we got. Ephesians three twenty. take out your notes that hopefully you got on the way in the door it says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, say that with me, immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That means God wants to do more in us than we can imagine, right? Psalms thirty five twenty seven says this, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Yeah, let them, con- let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in his servant sleeping under the bridge because he never has enough and maybe he might one day be blessed. Is that what it says? No, he, God actually has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. In other words, uh, uh, the servant of God who gets to live a life that is a flourishing life, God actually takes pleasure in that. And so the question becomes, well, God, there are a lot of times in my life where I don't feel like I'm living a flourishing life. I don't feel like, and we're not necessarily talking about just money. We're talking about a life where you wake up every morning ready to do what God has called you to do. Now, I don't know about you guys, I've lived different times in my life where I woke up just hoping today's pain isn't worse than yesterday's misery. I've lived that life. And I can tell you this, the life that I live with the Lord now, this flourishing life where I wake up and say, God, whatever you're going to do in my life, I'm looking for you to show me how I can live a flourishing life today. I'm telling you, that life is a lot better than the other one. And so we need to look for how we're doing immeasurably more. Why? Because he takes pleasure and the prosperity of his servant. What is it to be a prosperous life? That's a flourishing life. That's a life with intention. That's a life where you not only get to live a life that is blessed, but you also get to help others live a life that is blessed. And I'm about you guys, I've been in situations where I needed someone to help me out. And I've been in situations where I got to help other people out. I like the second one a lot better. I don't know how many guys ever had to ask for help, but then you've ever, you've been in a financial place where you got to be help to someone else. I like the I said I like the second one a little bit better. Where y'all at? Right? Listen, I like I like to be a blessing than need a blessing. Okay, so. But all that to say, we're going to take a journey through John 12, uh, verses one through eight today. So take out those notes if you're reading what's with us. I'm going to give you the first half of the story and then the second half. Six days before the Passover feast, Jesus went to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Now, Lazarus is the man Jesus raised from the dead, okay? There they had a dinner for Jesus, right? And Martha served the food, and Lazarus was one of the people eating with Jesus. Now, I have to take a time out right there. Listen, I don't particularly, I'm not a big fan of people being barefoot at the table with me while I eat. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody, any of y'all like barefoot people just kind of freak you out a little bit? Lazarus was dead a few days ago. Like, we're not going to talk about this? Like, this didn't just happen? I feel like it should be noteworthy. Whatever. Anyways, Martha served the food, and Lazarus was one of the people eating with Jesus. Then it says this, Mary brought in a pint of very expensive perfume made from pure nard. She poured the perfume on Jesus' feet, and then she wiped his feet with her hair, and the sweet smell from the perfume filled the whole house, right? Then Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' followers, who would later turn against him, was there. Now, pause for a second again. How many of you are glad that you're not known by your last mistake? You're known by Jesus' accomplishment in your life. Like, could you imagine being living in the Bible times where it's like, and then Brad, the person who always got into trouble and the knucklehead, the blah, blah, blah. Like, what if your rap sheet was lifted after your name every time you were mentioned in the Bible? It's like... Can we not? Can we delete? No? Okay. Someone needs to white out that page. Anyway, so he was there, and Judas said, this perfume was worth an entire year's wages. What an offering. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? But Judas, going next next page, but Judas did not really care about the poor. He said this because he was a thief. He was the one who kept the money box, and he often stole from it. Right? So Judas didn't care about that they really needed to give the money to the poor. What he was saying is put that money in the box so that when no one's looking, I can take some of it. Can I tell you something? You'll rob yourself of your blessing when you take what God told you to do something with. Amen. Jesus answered, leave her alone. It was right for her to save this perfume for today, the day for me to be prepared for burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. And what Jesus was saying there is saying, listen, if someone is going to worship me by giving me something, don't stand in the way of that. You'll always have more people you can help. You'll always have something else you can do. Don't not give me what's mine because you could give it somewhere else. Right? So what I want to talk to you guys about today is this idea that the flourishing life is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And I wanna show you how today, a few things that Jesus is interested in in our life, all right? So turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is interested. Now turn the person on the other side of you, you just neglected, right? I get it, you didn't wanna bring them today, it's a long story, but they're here anyway, so talk to them, all right? Tell them Jesus is interested. So there's a few things that Jesus is interested in and we see it in the story. So we're gonna take a walk through this story again, but we're gonna show you some of the things that Jesus is interested in And how the flourishing life that God wants for us is identified in four key areas. It's identified in many more, but the four we're going to talk about today. So let's get straight into those. Number one is Jesus is interested in your attitude. Jesus is interested in your attitude. How many of you know people you intentionally don't hang out with? Because they are some Debbie Downers. Where you like... Sorry if your name's Debbie, it's not, you know what I'm saying. Like, but Jesus is interested in your attitude, but also, He's interested in your attitude about giving. Not necessarily giving money, but giving your life. You see, what we've done is we've equated the blessed life to just money. And that's not what God, Jesus didn't come to get our money, He came to get our heart. He didn't come to make us, he didn't come to fix us, he came to make us brand new. He didn't come to make broken things whole, he came to make lost things saved. And since that's the case, he cares about our attitude and how we approach him. So, how many guys have ever, God has ever spoken to your heart, or maybe you felt something on the inside of you, maybe you were driving. And you see someone standing on the street corner and something kind of falls in your heart and says, hey, give that person on the street corner five dollars. Or ten dollars? How many of you are like, boy, that's not God, and you just turn the radio up louder, right? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Or you pretend you can't see him, put on the sunglasses, nope, not looking that way, right? And what's happening is our attitude about giving is affecting what, them? No. Our attitude about giving to them is affecting what's going to come back to us, you see, what we don't realize is our, how we approach God and giving of our time or our talents or, or our finances, how our attitude is when we approach God dictates the volume of what comes back. See, so some of us, we give finance. Maybe you give your tithes and your offerings like Tremaine said earlier. You give, but you, don't, you know that there's more God could, he wants to give back to you, but you can't figure out why he's not doing it. I encourage you, check your attitude about giving. Check your attitude about serving. How many, like we, like we said earlier, how many of you guys know some people, you don't ever want to be around them because you feel worse just because they're there. Now, if you don't know anyone like that, congratulations, you're that person, all right? That's why you don't have friends, I'm just kidding. Like, but Jesus is into our attitude. John 12:5. Let's go back to the verse we read. But verse 5 said, Judas said this perfume was worth an entire year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? Can I tell you something? Jude, Judas' attitude had nothing to do with the poor. It was a self-serving attitude. And when it comes to what God is telling us to do, we can't approach God and we can't approach what he's telling us to do with a self-serving attitude. We have to approach what God tells us to do with a Christ-centered attitude. What would God want me to do? How do I live my life trying to be as much like Christ as possible? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, that God loves a grudgingly somewhat selfish giver. No, he loves a Cheerful giver. So that's why whenever I, I me and my wife, we love to give our tithes and our offerings. We loved because what we're doing is we're giving something to a God who is the what I call the great magnifier. What I mean by that is this: I think about who I was when I came to Jesus versus who I am now that I'm with Jesus. And he has magnified my life and my purpose strictly because his presence is there. I invite you on a journey to see what your life could be, what a flourishing life could be, if God was strictly in control of everything you did. Because for me, small part of my testimony includes drugs and drinking and in a small way getting into gang violence and all kinds of stuff through my teen years. When I came to God at 17, I was selfish and I had nothing. Moved in, or moved in kind of in a long story. I was living with my parents and I had nothing. By the time I turned 21, four years later, God had blessed me with an amazing job, an opportunity to start my own company, a beautiful wife, and had just helped us sign on our first house. And it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with giving my life to the person that could make something great out of something so small. And God is the great magnifier when we give him something to magnify. But what a lot of us are looking for is for God to make something out of nothing. God says, you give to me time, finances, whatever. You give to me, I'll give back to you in a measure that you can't contain. Right? So God is the great magnifier. So Jesus, he's interested in that. But then he's also interested in what you hold on to. Jesus is interested in what you hold on to. And I, I say that like this. For some of us, God is saying, hey, I want you to give this thing. I want you to give this. And when he tells us that, we're like, mm, I don't know if I want to give that. I know for me and my wife, we were getting ready to pay off debt because we're, 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 she is really good at making sure that we live as close to debt-free as possible. I'm really good at trying to mess that up as often as I can. All right. So we were getting ready to pay off my truck and, And uh, so the time came, we had finally saved up enough money. We were getting ready to pay off my truck. And God spoke to our heart. He said, I want you to take half of what you saved up to pay off the truck. And I just want you to give it to this person. And I was like, I think I got bad indigestion. Maybe that's not God, right? Maybe that's pepperoni pizza from yesterday. I don't know. Like, I was like, no, no, that's obviously not you, Lord. But he was like, no, 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 I want you to give that to that person. And so we took a step back and we gave it to the person. But can I tell you something? Had I held on to what God was telling me to give, he never would have been able to bless me because I wouldn't have had seed in the ground for him to give back to. He would have had nothing to magnify in my life. And when we're selfish, God doesn't have anything to compound in our life to give back. So what you hold on to, but then I'll take it a step further, because sometimes it's not about finances. God is also interested in what you're holding on to in your heart. So, what, what type of person could you be if you forgave the person that hurt you so long ago? What kind of unforgiveness or bitterness or even hatred are you holding on to in your heart? And what kind of person could you be if you chose and told God, God, I'm going to give this to you and I want you to, I want you to take this and do something with it because I'm tired of holding on to it? What kind of life could you live? if you were free from your yesterday? What kind of things could you do? What kind of blessing could you be? What kind of friend could you be? If you were no longer holding on to what happened to you 10 years ago, and you were actually just focused on being a blessing to every person you came in contact with. Now, next week, I'm really excited because we're gonna take this same story and we're gonna do a sermon next week called What's in Your Box? And I'm super pumped about that because we wanna talk about the box that Judas was holding, but all of us are holding a box. And we want to talk about what's in it. And as we talk about what's in the box, we're going to deal with how we can get free and look for God to do amazing things in our life. So come back next week. That's going to be a good time. But John 12, 6 says this, going back to the story, but Judas did not really care about the poor. He said this because he was a thief. He was the one who kept the money box and he often stole from it, right? And when God tells us to do something with what we have, when we don't, do what God told us to do with what we have, eventually we just end up consuming it, right? This quote right here, and it's in your notes, it says this, you'll limit your purpose if you consume your provision. And how many of us in life, we say, God, I want to wake up with more purpose. I want to wake up with, with more. I want to wake up and have a, a better life. I want to wake up and be able to do more for more people. I want to wake. I want, and we want all of these things in our life. And God is saying, and it's hard because it's the opposite of what we would think. If you want to have more to give away, your natural reaction would say, all right, I need to keep more so that I can give away more. And God is saying, wrong. You need to give more so that I can give back to you more so that you can give away more. What we actually do is when we come to the Lord, it's always the opposite of what we would think it is. When, God, when we come to the Lord, we say, we need to keep all of our secrets to ourselves so that we can become a new person. God's saying, no, 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 I want you to dump out all your secrets on me so that I can help you become a new person. It's always the opposite of what we think. But you'll limit your purpose if you consume your provision. So when God tells you, hey, I want you to do this with what you have, if we consume that, where are my spenders at? Where are my spenders? How many of you guys are just like, you like to spend money on stuff, right? Just, you can be honest, right? The spenders, I like to spend money on food. Where are where my, where my food people at, right? Listen, because what the world needs, I'm going to help you all out real quick. More pizza, chicken wings, burgers, french fries, and for my sushi lovers, that too, right? Like, that's what the world needs, we could solve a lot of problems if we would just start breaking pizza or cheese bread. You know, so what we, we can break bread, just put some sauce and some cheese, garlic, oregano, come on somebody. Listen, the Lord is here, amen. So anybody like, so my spenders, where, where are my spenders that you like to just buy stuff, right? Like, all right, so there's all the spenders, right? Where, where are the food people at? Where are my food people at? Some of y'all are like, I'm a spender on food, okay? <laughs> My wife is constantly like, where did you put that $100? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where it went. Like I can spend $100, not even think about it. And my wife is like, where did that go? And I'm like, I have no idea. And she's like, I do. And she pulls out like a paper report of of like the spending for the last two weeks. And I'm like, listen, this was planned. You printed that yesterday at work, okay? You knew we were having this conversation. So I'm the spender. Like, I, I, I get it. My wife is the saver. Where are the, where the savers at? Are y'all savers? Any savers in the house, right? There's far less of you, all right? And, which is why the world is in the state that it's in. But anyway, that's not the point. Here's, what I, here's my philosophy. You guys are spending your money. You're just spending it on nothing and putting it in a different account. That's how I feel about it, right? So it's like y'all putting your money somewhere. Y'all just aren't getting anything cool when you do it. At least we got cool stuff. Right, so maybe like something for your car, like I'm, you know, firearms for me. I buy guns, ammunition, guns, ammunition, more, gu- Anyway, not the point. But anyways, like I, I like to, b- I, we I buy stuff. Y'all just don't have anything to show for the money y'all put somewhere. In all seriousness, that's a terrible way to live life. All right, spenders, we got to get it under control. I'm not gonna lie to you, but nope, stop. That's heresy. Okay, don't do that. But but all that to say. I'm really good with, if, if I were left to my own devices, I would consume my blessing every time. And when I consumed it, I would have nothing to bless someone else with. And because I would have nothing to bless someone else with, I would limit what God is going to give back to me. So I thank God for my wife, who she's the saver, all right? So she, as we already talked about, paper report, listen, you spent money here, 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 here. I'm like, I wasn't even awake that day. So I couldn't have spent that money. But she, she breaks it all down. Why? Number one, she wants to make sure we always have what we need. And if it weren't for her, we would, have, we would not live the blessed life that we, can, that we are living because she makes sure that not only do we have enough for us, without buying stupid things we don't need, with money we don't have to impress the people we don't like. But she makes sure we have enough for us, but she also makes sure that we have enough to give away. We never tithe 10%. We always give 15% of everything we have. And because of that, God continues to bless us over and over and over, just like we talked about last week. I mentioned it in my sermon last week how God paid, dropped $20,000 in our bank account in two weeks when our son got sick, and we racked up hundreds of thousands of dollars in doctor bills. And we had insurance, but we still had tens of thousands of dollars of debt that we had to pay to those hospitals, and 20 grand dropped in our bank account in two weeks to help pay it off. Here's the trick we never even asked for it, we never even told people we were going through it. But God, because we always give, God gave back. And so when you consume your provision, you limit your purpose. God does want to do something great with your life. God does want to use you to be a blessing to someone else. But are you being obedient to what he's given you? Because I put, I put this on Twitter yesterday. God doesn't hold you accountable for what you do. God holds you accountable for what he asked you to do. See, many of us are going to stand before God and we're going to say, God, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. And He's going to say, yeah, but I asked you to do that and you didn't do that. But I did this but I did this yep I didn't ask you to do that I asked you to do that and are we limiting our ability to do what God told us because we're only doing the things we want you reflect
1: next number three
0: (laughs) Jesus is interested in your worship Jesus is interested in your worship and yes I'm talking about your song like, you're singing, worships. I'm a worshiper. If you ever catch me during worship, I'm in a full aerobic workout. It's the reason I got on a hoodie with my sleeves rolled up right now. Okay? Like, it's hot. But I'm, like, when, I, when it comes to worship, I'm giving God my everything. Some of, my, some of the friends that sit close to me, they're always making fun of me. Like, we got to have a seat on both sides of Pastor Brad because he's, like, flinging bows. And, like, I'm in it. Like, I'm just like, yes, 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 championing the worship movement in this church. Like, I just give God my everything. That's why they take breaks in between songs, because I'm like, hold on. Hold on, on." right? Like, but I I give God my everything. So it's, it's not just about our song, but it is about song. It's about singing how, guess what, I love that last song, I am who you say I am. I'm a child of God and declaring how good God has been in our life. Like, I love worship. I love giving him my song. I love singing to him. The catch is I'm not good at it. Like, I can't sing to save my life, right? That's what, like. Someone said, Y'all saw me a few weeks ago. I was up here helping lead worship for those of you that were here. And people were like, Yo, Pastor Brad is helping lead worship today. And I was up here, guitar, singing, had the microphone. I'm in it. Like, I'm, I was just singing. And people were like, Pastor Brad, you said you couldn't sing. I'm like, I can't at all. They're like, You sounded great. I'm like, You never heard me. Because <laughs> our sound guy is even better. He right? was like, As soon as I started singing, he said, nope, mm mm-mm, pull that down, right? Hey, you're all welcome, okay? We we didn't chase you out of the building with me singing. Jonathan was super excited. I was standing next to him. It was great. But listen, even if I don't sound that good, I'm going to give God what I got. Like, I may, I may not sound as good as the worship team, Jonathan and all them, all them over there. Like, they, they do really well. And I thank God God sent them to this house because then it might just be me. Okay? So, but, like, I, I love giving God my worship. And that's why I sit on the front row because there's no one in front of me to hear how bad I sound. Okay? So, like, I just I worship over here in my own in my little deal. But, man, I love giving God worship. But can I tell you something? Worship isn't about a song. It's about your life. You can sing to God how good he is, but does your life testify to how good he is? Are you constantly negative and bitter? Because that's not a worshipful life. Are you constantly looking to keep everything you have rather than give what you have to be a better blessing? Because that's not a worshipful life. As a matter of fact, Jesus is so interested in our worship, he wants us to give him everything. Everything that we are, everything that we, like, give him everything. John 12, 7, going back to the story, says this, Jesus answered, leave her alone. He was talking to Judas. It was right for her to save this perfume for today, the day for me to be prepared for burial. In other words, he was saying, listen, whatever she gives, it was the right thing for her to give. And what is it that God is telling us to give in our life or Is it our life that we could, if we would give it, God could do something great with it? Because here's the deal. This story has two characters in it besides Jesus. And two main characters we're talking about. That's Mary and Judas. Both of them came into the room and both of them came into the room holding something. But only one of them do we talk about how great she was. The other one is just known as a thief. And every one of us walk into every day of our life with something. It's our heart that determines how we're known. So the question is, what are you doing with what you have? Because what you do with what you have is really what worship is. It's not about singing. It's not about a song. It's about a life. My life, hopefully, I pray that the people around me and the people that I interact with and my wife more than anyone else will always say that Brad lives a life that is worship. Not just sing songs about it. That's my goal. Matthew 6 21 says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so people come to us and they say, Pastor, all pastors ever care about is money. I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care about your money, but I do care about your heart. The problem is where your heart is, that's where you put your money. For example, where are my pizza people at? Where the pepperoni pizza where y'all at? Listen. First of all, I'm done with this debate over pineapples on pizza, okay? So it doesn't belong. It just doesn't belong. Okay, like I just can't help you with that. The problem is my wife believes otherwise. She's like that pepperoni and ham. I don't or pineapple and ham, I just I can't, I just can't. Okay, it's a fruit. It's not when I eat my pizza, I'm not looking for healthy stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like Looking for max calorie consumption. Anyways, but where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Which means the things that matter to us, that's where we put our finances. So, those of you who are spenders, you spend money on the things that you feel like make you happy. For some of us, it really is food. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, for me, it's food. But for some of you, you may spend money on things that make you happy. But here's what I, here, a little dot I want to connect for you for just a second. Many of you growing up, you didn't have a lot. And because you didn't have a lot and you saw your parents struggling, you made up in your mind, I'm never going to live my life this way. Therefore, you set yourself up in a position to always have more in the account than you spend. And your heart is committed to never ending up the way you were when you were younger and your family never being where your family was when you were younger. Guess where you put your treasure? Where your heart is. For some of you, food is comfort. right? We're in the South, right? Batter it and fry it and cover it in gravy. Come on, somebody. like That's all we need to do. <laughs> like, so, so with that said, for some of us, we eat through our emotions. I am that way. Matter of fact, I brought on one of my boys. I'm not going to call him out right now. He may even be in this room to help me start getting healthy. He's doing a great job right now. The reason why I had to do that is because food wasn't just about choice. Food was a way of dealing with my emotions, right? So for someone who's the last five years has been somewhat emotional, for those of you that are new, my son got sick. He actually passed away in May. Um, so working through that. All I ever want, like, whenever I start feeling bad, you know what time it is? Hungry Howies, right? Or what, like, it's it's time to get some food and deal with, but guess what? If we're not careful, that's where we're putting our treasure. But it never comes back to you. If you're just saving it, but you're not being a blessing, it never comes back. If you're consuming it because of your emotions, it never comes back. If you're spending it on things that don't really matter, it never comes back. The only way it comes back is if you do something with it that's more impactful in someone else's life than it would have been in yours. So where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. So do I care about your finances? No, I care about you. And by caring about you, I am gonna to talk to you about where you put it because where we put it shows where our heart is. Isaiah twenty-nine thirteen says this, talking about worship. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. Talking about how we talk about the Lord and maybe even sing about the Lord. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules they have been taught. In other words, there are plenty of people who are religious in practice, but not spiritual in action. So we come to God and we sing the song, we come in here and we talk about him, maybe we read our Bible, but does our life really look like one that follows Jesus? Are we really looking to be a blessing to every person we come in contact with? Do we live a life that says, I'm really, really exhausted right now, but somebody needs me and because they need me, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go see them. Had a brother call me this week, been dealing with some rough stuff and he has some questions lost a loved one recently and he, he said you're the only person that'll understand the questions that I have so at 2 a.m. I got up drove to Waffle House and we talked about it why because it's not just about talking about being a blessing it's really about being one because the last thing number four is Jesus is interested in your gratitude He's interested in your gratitude. What are you thankful for? And not just thankful by saying, I'm so grateful for this, but what does your life say you're thankful for? What kind of gratitude do you have in your life? John twelve eight, going back to the story, says this, you will always have the poor with you. But you will not always have me. In other words, there'll always be someone you need to take care of. There will always be someone you've got to help. There will always be someone in your life that needs something from you. There will always be, there will always be some people in your life that you can impact. The question is: are you giving God what's his? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take care of those people when you can. But are you giving God what's his? Yeah, yeah. Be a blessing to so-and-so. But are you giving God what's his? Live a life that shows. Jesus to everyone, but are you giving God what's his? You do that in three ways. We've talked about it a lot through this series. Through your finances, give God your finances with a worshipful heart, a cheerful heart. Give God that, but also give him your time. For some of you, you've been waiting to serve on the dream team. You've been coming to church for a while. You just hadn't jumped in. Now's the time. Because I don't know about you, there are a lot more days that I need more peace in my life than I need financial blessing. How many of you don't need more money right now? You just need to wake up and not hope that today's misery is worse than yesterday's pain. How many of you don't necessarily need financial blessing right now? What you really need is to wake up tomorrow with joy in your heart, ready to take on the day to be a blessing to someone else's life. And if that's the case, you need to be sowing that into the kingdom of God. So where can I give more time and sow joy into people so that in return I get time and joy. Where can I sow peace? Where can I serve somewhere to help put peace in someone's life? I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I like to walk out into the parking lot out there with our guys driving the golf carts and just ride around with them for a little while because they seem like the happiest dudes for no reason. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just like they just always smiling. I'm like, man, I'm gonna go ride around with you guys for a while unless it's a torrential downpour. Then I'm not going. But like, but there's areas that you could be doing that. And I invite you if, you, if that's you, you say, man, I would like to give some of my time. And TC is where you want to make your home. We have our dream team that serves here every single week. I love our dream team. And for some of you, you're looking for God to give you more joy, more peace, and more time. But you're not giving joy, peace, and time. So there's nothing for him to magnify. Where could you help make a difference in someone's life? So my invitation, the Dream Team is what makes this whole place work. If TC is home for you or you wanna make TC home, then you can join the Dream Team. Next week, next Sunday, after the the 11 o'clock service, we'll show you how. All you gotta do is come to step one of our growth track. We'll show you how. It's amazing what our Dream Team gets to do every single week right here at TC. So you'll always have people you can impact, but we need to have the people we do impact. Colossians 2.7 says this, it says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with, say, say this word with me, thankfulness. Man, how do I become someone that has more gratitude in my life? Let your roots get centered on Jesus. How do I have more thankfulness in my life? Make sure your life is built on him then your faith will grow strong. You're having trouble doubting who God is. or If he's gonna come through for you, let your roots grow deep and build your life on him. Then your faith will go strong in the truth that you were taught and then you'll overflow with thankfulness. God has a flourishing life for you, but it requires us to give. So then he gives back. My invitation to you, not me, not the pastors, Join us, TC, join this family. Join us, give, maybe time, maybe talents, maybe treasure. Buy into a vision that says, you know, we're gonna see as many people reach with the hope of Jesus as we can. And I'm gonna continue to live a life of purpose and provision and blessing. I'm gonna live a life that is flourishing because Jesus made a way for that to happen. You guys receive that today? All right, let's give it up for Jesus in this house this morning. We thank you, Lord. Go ahead and bow your heads. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. God, we thank you that there's a life available to us that it's only available to us through you. God, there are plenty of people who may be flourishing in an inauthentic way. So they have things, but they don't have you. So God, we're thankful that when you step into our life, You give us more than we could ever have for ourselves, And we thank you for that. Continue to bless each one. Continue to help them live an authentically flourishing life. In Jesus name, with every head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I, I do wanna live that flourishing life. I do believe that God has more for me. The problem is, Right now, I don't know that my life really belongs to him. I believe in him. I really try to do good things for him, but I don't know that I'm with him. But today, I'm ready to change that. I've tried doing it my way, but I'm ready to do it God's way. The Bible says this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. And today, everlasting life and eternity with God is available to you. The Bible says we do two things. Number one, we repent of our sins, which means we turn away from the old us and we go after the new us in Christ. So we repent of our sins, but then we put our faith in Jesus. That when he died on the cross, he paid for everything that I've gone through in my life, all my sins, all the things I've done wrong, and he gives me a clean, fresh start. And today, if you want that clean slate, you want that fresh start, you want a life with Jesus that gives you a brand new beginning. Jesus is here to give you that. And if you're ready to try it his way, you're ready to give to him the life that you have, I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. I wanna pray for you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you sit? Say, that's me, pastor. I want a new beginning. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Once you put your hands up, you can put them back down. Like I said, I'm not here to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone else? That's me, Pat. God bless you. God bless you. Once you, once you put up, you can put it down. I want, I want a new start, Pastor. I want Jesus to give me a new beginning. God bless you. Maybe you're watching us online. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready for a brand new beginning and I'm ready for a fresh start and I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer together. And this prayer doesn't make you saved. Your faith in Jesus alone makes you saved. But we wanna declare with our words what we're believing in our heart. And that is that we are giving our life to Jesus for a brand new start. So church, let's pray it with our brothers and sisters. And if you raise your hand or you didn't, but you want that new start, just repeat after you say, Dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean make me pure, make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later through your life, through your death and through your resurrection. I can be saved. So I believe in you and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at TransformationChurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.